right, this is Stephen Wagusback, and I want to um, welcome you back to our fourth edition of the Good Works Podcast. And this is where we profile people in our nonprofit partner community who are just making a great impact here in Louisiana and across the state. And today I'm joined by, man, a rock star. I mean, you could just, we were visiting a little bit beforehand and you could just feel the energy and the passion and, and all that stuff. And so I'm joined here by Adonica Duggan, who some of you may be saying, who is Adonica Duggan? Well, you're about to find out if you listen to this podcast. And she's interesting because she's one of those education reformer type people that has done a lot of different things. She's been in the traditional setting. She's been in the reform setting. She's been in advocacy. She's been in policy. And she's got multiple um, skills and assets. And people like that that I've met over the years, they're always looking for that way to make an impact. They're not really content just to kind of sit behind a desk and just push paper around. They really want to see how they can use their skills to really improve outcomes and lives for people that they don't even know. And that's what I love um, that's why I love so much hanging out with education reformers. So, Adonica, welcome for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. It's funny you call me a reformer. I'll say I'm the most non-reformer reformer you'll ever meet in terms of background and, yeah. and how I got into this work. Right. Uh, but that's what's cool about the education reform space. People put it in a, in a category. And what I like most about it is there really is no category because most of the people who are most impactful, they're trying to say, look, we want all options to be available um, for kids and for students, and we want them to be able to make that choice that's best for them because every family's got a different need. And That's right. Yeah, I have four kids of my own, and they all have very <laughs> different needs. And so I, I would say that I'm super passionate about making sure that we have an education landscape that serves the needs of every child. All right, so before we get into all that good stuff, uh, tell us a little bit about you yourself. Adonica, I know you're a triathlete. I know you're married. you got kids. What, what else do you want to tell us about Yeah, it's, it's funny how people latch on to that triathlete thing. Well, it's I guess a certain so. brand of crazy, cool. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a Baton Rouge girl through and through, born and raised, been in South Louisiana my whole life, uh, LSU grad. Um, I'm a product of public education in Baton Rouge. That's why I'm super passionate about the work that I do. I'm a mom of four, 16, 14, 12, and 10. Pray for me, y'all. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah, right. Two boys, two girls, and they are the greatest joy of my life. And, you know, I I think about their education and how it relates to the work I do. I am an Ironman and super uh, active in our local triathlon community. Okay, so super active. Give give me, because I am not an Ironman. (laughs) I I am probably a paper man if you have to put me in a category. So tell me, how how did you get into triathlete, uh, triathlete, uh, training real quick, triathlons, how do you say it? How did you get into that? It's it's funny you should ask. Uh, I have not had a career in in, um, sport. I am a a late bloomer as it relates to sports. I did not start exercising until my mid-30s. Really? And yeah, I was not a person who played high school sports or anything like that, but really had trouble after my second child was born, like finding my groove. And my pediatrician was trying this local women's only triathlon. And she was like, you should come do it with me. I signed up and have made some tremendous friends. That was the start of a journey for me that was almost 15 years ago that has changed my life and changed the life of our kids. So give me a little flavor of like what your your weekly routine is like. Like how do you train for something like that on an ongoing basis? Yeah, it depends on if we're in season or out of season. But, you know, we just finished training for Ironman Coeur d'Alene, which was a pretty intense uh, race. We trained for uh, almost two years. Um, <laughs> the faces, right? <laughs> this, I mean, seriously. Is, this is insane, right? Um, but it's 
It's every day um, and long rides on the weekends. And I say long when we get to um, the peak of training. It's about 100 miles on Saturday mornings. Oh, wow. So um, really enjoying the all that our state has to offer outdoors. I bet so. Yeah, you love that humidity, don't you? So so the the biking, obviously, you mentioned, but there's also the running and swimming, right? So yeah. like, how do you, where, do you, where do you do that stuff? Yeah, I um, am on the board of the Metro Y. And so I swim every day, uh, every week at the Ys locally. And um, we do a lot of running Sunday mornings, long run, uh, get up super early, uh, functioning on very little sleep. All right. Well, for those of you that have not turned this off yet because you feel lazy and you went run outside, uh, uh, we will continue the podcast now from here. So, okay. So you've done a lot of different things in traditional public edu- education. and um, But now you, you're now CEO as of earlier this year for something called the Baton Rouge Alliance for Students. Yes. What is that? Yeah, Baton Rouge Alliance for Students is a local nonprofit. Um, we are focused on educating and and Um, elevating the voices of families in our community. We think it's really important that families have a say in public education. We think the students are the end user of our systems, and we want to make sure that their voices are prioritized in the decision-making process. And so how do you all go about helping giving them that voice? Yeah, so um, we work really hard to make sure that families are informed about the choices that exist in Baton Rouge. We have a school's guide that's a comprehensive guide to all of the schools in the city. It's the first of its kind. Um, And so we make sure that parents know what the choices are in Baton Rouge. We have a changing landscape. We have a private school utilization rate that's one of the highest in the country. And so we want to make sure that parents know how to navigate the different systems. And so we go out into the community and we work with parents and we ask them um, to evaluate what the choices are that they want for their kids and how do you get to the schools that prioritize those things and we help them to navigate the systems. You know, it, it sounds and, and seems like a simple mission, but it's so critical because you know, over the years, Louisiana has, I think, done a good job of trying to bring in new options. And so if you are a family in, in Louisiana, especially if you're in a in our economically disadvantaged area, there are options in your area, but it's so hard to know about them, where to find them. And we've needed, a, there's been a gap that's needed to be filled to make it easier for that a la carte menu to be found um, yeah. by families. So. I think that, um, you know, a lot of times those of us who are wealthier or well-informed have access to understanding the system. Absolutely. And for our families who, you know, are underserved largely by their traditional district systems, they don't know how to go about getting to the school that best fits the needs of their child. And every child's different. So, you know, we think it's really important that we have a tapestry of schools across our city that serve the needs of every learner. We have done a lot of work in attracting those great schools. Now we've got to make sure that families know how to access them. Totally. I think that, that, Need for mobility. I mean, if you have means in, in Louisiana or any state, really, you have mobility. If your kid's not doing well, you can drive across town. You can go visit another school. You can get them there in the morning, pick them up in the afternoon. You can make it happen. In some areas, it's not as easy for, for those families. And so, you know, giving them kind of that, um, that easier way to, to know their options and actually maximize them. Um, it, it's so critical. So you mentioned you have four kids. They're all different. I have three boys. Mine are all different, too. And uh, last year, we were actually in three different schools. Yeah. And so we you know, we are the definition of mobility, I guess, because we've done that. Um, tell me a little about your kids real quick. Let's do a little diversion. What, what are your kids like? What are, what are they into? Yeah, so my oldest is right now um, working on an internship this summer. She wants to be a commercial developer, which is something that's very interesting that awesome. she's latched on to pretty early. And this is her second summer working for a local developer that we know. Um, she's, you know, into fashion and all the things that teenage girls are into, nice. but has a really clear vision of what she wants her career to be. Um, my next child is my quiet son, and he is just like quiet storm, a lot going on up there. 
you know, super smart, <laughs> super smart. But, Whether he tells mom or not is the real key. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> super smart, you know, very opinionated, but just super quiet and to himself. Um, my next one is just has taken on this um, triathlon thing as well. And oh, so wow. she is an amazing little cross-country runner. She's a seventh grader and just is on an almost two-year run streak, which is crazy to me because, you know, I, she gets it honestly. I'm on almost four years. With so does your streak. husband, is he in triathlons also? He's an amazing triathlon cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. Nice job. And then our youngest is the caboose. And he is like, I spend all of my time convincing that kid he's not the center of the universe um, because <laughs> everyone else convinces him that he is. Uh, and he's just, you know, our family wouldn't be complete without him. And he's just the greatest little bucket filler. He's just got a sweetest heart you can ever imagine. Well, I'm the baby of my family, too. And my sisters used to make fun of me and call me the baby Jesus because they, 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 <laughs> oh. they, they thought I got spoiled as well. But they were wrong. I had a very tough childhood. <laughs> I'm also the baby, and I feel that dynamic with you. Um, my sister would say that I'm, yeah. you know, super spoiled. But, you know, this baby. They're I, all I, wrong. They're just jealous they're just of being jealous the of That's the babies. Too bad for them. Okay, so let's get back to the Alliance. Yeah. Okay, so you're, you're trying to bring into a student-centered uh, approach. And there's something that y'all working on called the TORCH Initiative. Yeah. So tell me so, what that means. So, uh, you know, at the Alliance, we think that there are a couple of components to making sure that we have a student-centered agenda. Mm-hmm. So they are, you know, empowering families, as we talked about, engaging our citizenry, engaging the community, and then elevating leaders. We think that leadership is super important in this equation. And yep. one of the challenges that we have is we're not attracting quality leaders to be a part of the solutions. And so Torch is a program. Oh, wait, real quick, let me cut you off. Sure. When you say leaders, you're talking about principals and teachers. You're talking about counselors. You're talking about what? What, what leaders are you talking about? So I'm talking about elected leadership. Elected because leaders. Because I think that okay. part of the challenge is that we don't recognize that yep. systems challenges require systems level solutions. I think that there are amazing educators and leaders in the schools who are doing really good work. But if the systems don't work, if the policy priorities aren't right, if the budget priorities aren't right, mm-hmm. we can't get those people what they need in order to be successful in Got the it. classroom and at the school building level. And so we think it's really important that we are attracting the right caliber of people to elected leadership in school boards and equipping them with the tools to run successful campaigns, to understand the complex issues that we're facing in public education in our state, and then, you know, empowering them and supporting them as they go through that process. We, we couldn't agree more. And, you know, we do we find it something similar at the at the legislative level, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at Louisiana's history, you can go all the way back to Mike Foster and Cecil Picard and Kathleen Blanco and Pastor Rick and Jindal and John White and, you know, legislators that range from like, you know, Steve Carter, who recently yes. passed to many others. And there's been so many folks who understood what that battle was like over the last 20 years. Well, now in a term limit world, you've got a a lot of new, fresh faces in the legislature on Bessie and others, and that's good. I mean, you want change, but at the same time, you don't want to lose touch of that history, why it's important to make some of these decisions, what we're building off of, what that foundation's look like. And so we've had to do something similar, you know, implement these boot camps to try to, like, tell that story of, of all the hard work that's been gained and how important it is to continue that fight and improve upon it, you know, in the years to come. So what is it like? How, how do you go about and try to do some of this training and educational process at a school board level? Yeah, I think it's really important, as you shared, to have that historical context about how we got here. Right. And so I think that bringing in people who can tell the story of this is a moment that was has been built over the course of the history of Baton Rouge. You know, we didn't all of a sudden wake up in this moment in Baton Rouge schools 
really well-intentioned people made yeah. decisions about what the, what they thought were the right decisions in that moment in Baton Rouge education, and now we're left to deal with the legacy of those things. And, you know, in Baton Rouge, it's so weird because, uh, you know, for those that aren't in Baton Rouge area that are listening, it's a complicated, complicated history here. I mean, Absolutely. We were under court order for so long here. And in many ways, we're still in our infancy in having our own local control on this. So the, the importance of telling that story and the importance of finding strong leaders that can kind of take us to the level we need to get to is so critical in this region especially. Yeah, and I think that, you know, as a state, we get a lot of things right. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a, a leaders like Steve and others who, mm-hmm. you know, carry the ball for kids in Baton Rouge and kids across the state very well. And we've got to help them to navigate the systems as they exist and really build on that and take this moment where we are, you know, if you look at right now in Baton Rouge and education, we're set to receive $270 million in federal funding. We have an opportunity to make generational change. And if we look back 10 years from now, even across the state, we've got an opportunity to really get education right. We're not, you know, facing funding battles as we have been historically. We have an opportunity in K-12 to really get things right. And if we have the right leadership that is equipped with the right priorities who are held accountable in the right ways, we can do things that are going to set the state up for success long term, that are going to help us to attract businesses, that are going to help us to have the workforce that we want, that are going to help us to reduce crime and build quality of life. But we've got to get the right leaders applying those resources to the problems that we have. And you're, you're spot on. You mentioned that $270 million federal dollars that are coming in. Unfortunately, most parents aren't even aware that's coming in. Uh, they don't understand how important it is that those dollars are spent effectively to help their, their, their children. I know you've been a vocal um, advocate for transparency and accountability in those dollars. You, propose, you promoted the uh, Louisiana checkbook to show that. You are so right on that, and we need to have that um, all throughout government, especially at our school board level when all these federal dollars are coming in. So I want to commend you, Thank you. Um, for standing up for that. And so you also mentioned the, the business side. You know, I find it interesting. A lot of folks, when, when, when we get asked sometimes from the, the Capitol or for the media, why, why do you all care so much about education reform? Why is that a business issue? And it amazes me people think that way. I don't think there's a more important business issue out there than education because every student today not only is, you know, kind of a key component of any community you want to be successful, but it's also the future workforce of tomorrow. And when you talk to employers today, it really doesn't matter if if they're looking for employees to wear a suit or a hard hat. I mean, they want kids that can read, write, stay off drugs, and have good soft skills. I mean, it's yeah. the it's the ABCs of what they're looking for. And, you know, our schools improving to meet that demand is just so important. And so it is a huge business issue as well. Are you, are you getting business-oriented people interested yeah. in what you're doing, uh, interested in running for school board? How, how do you connect with those? Because sometimes that can be challenging to do that. Yeah, we have a program that um, is called our Changemakers Program, and we try to take business leaders through a year-long. It's almost like a leadership development program. Awesome. Um, and we help them to understand the issues of K-12 education and how that's so impactful um, in the in the business community. And so we've got a lot of interest there. I think that that's something that we're continuing to develop. But I think that people recognize that a lot of business leaders, to their credit, recognize how important it is to get public education right. You know, we're, we're not going to be able to grow our workforce. We're also not going to be able to attract people to Louisiana who want to live here if you know, you have to have higher salaries because people are paying for private school education or you don't have a neighborhood school that serves the needs of families in that neighborhood. So it's it's a critical issue. We think it's one of the core fundamental issues in terms of quality of life. And I think a lot of people recognize that. It's so true. Like a lot of times when you hear about economic development, 
people will say, oh, incentive this, incentive that. And look, all those things are important and go part of it. But there was a, um, a company, and I won't say their name, that um, moved their, um, their location out of Louisiana a handful of years ago. And I asked him kind of post-mortem, like, what was the big deal? What caused all that? Was it an incentive? Is it something we could have worked on? Was it a tax piece? And what they really said is they said, you know, you know, Wags, the, the issue is, is that when we try to go hire and recruit mid-level personnel to come here, and we had a good salary offer and everything, but when their families would come here and look at the school system, and they realized that for their family to meet their need, they felt like they were going to have to go private school. It added another X thousand dollars onto their annual bill, and it pushed them to another state where they could put their kids in public school. And so it absolutely is a economic development issue beyond the workforce, just in able to consider companies coming here and recruit their own talent. It's a big deal. Yeah, you know, and I think, you know, we've seen the growth of suburban districts as a result of that. I yep. worked in the Zachary Community School District for over a decade, and, and a big part of the people that joined our community were people who were moved in from other places. And I think that that's an important part of the solution, but it can't be the only solution. We've got to fix our large urban school system so families don't have to move to the suburban districts in order to get the quality of education that they want for their kids. That's right. And I think this year, your, your mission and your efforts are even, even that much more critical. You know, this week, um, the Department of Education is releasing kind of the testing from last year. It's really no surprise, but it's still sobering to hear. Um, you know, math and English scores are down considerably all throughout the K-12 pipeline. No grade was spared. Um, those students that were in person as compared to online scored much better. So it's critical to keep our schools open and vibrant Absolutely. for our families. And, um, you know, we got a lot of work to do. You know, it's going to be almost like an Apollo mission type effort this year to really come back from that learning loss we saw last year. And so I'm, I'm really uh, glad and appreciative that y'all started this organization in any year, but especially in a year where we need to all kind of band together and kind of help these families find the right choice, find the right solution for them, and um, do whatever it takes to get these kids back on track. Yeah, I think, you know, we'll, we'll be anxiously awaiting the release of those scores, and I think indications are, are, are very um, clear that in-person learning was something that we should prioritize, and we should be making sure that kids are in front of quality educators as much as we can. Um, I think the challenge has been that the pandemic also exposed some of the challenges that we had previously. And so our most underserved kids are st stand to be most impacted by not having in-person education. And so we've got to really work on how we get those kids to be better served because the pandemic really only exacerbated existing problems and brought them front and center for families who, you know, had you know, been a little bit checked out of the solution yep. around education. Everyone had to deal with face-to-face -face the quality of education that their kids were being provided. And we know that return to school looked very different across the state. We know that, you know, the ability to provide virtual services looked very different across the state. And so there are a lot of challenges that that, you know, has brought front and center for us. But there's a real opportunity in this moment to get it right. That's right. And I love how your organization, while, while we're dealing with all these complicated adult issues, I love how your organization is so focused on what's best for students and kids because that's where it should be. So if folks want to learn more about the alliance, which all are up to, if they're always thought about, well, should I run for school board? Should I not? How do they, how do they go find information on you and get more information? Yeah, they can visit us at BRAlliance.org. I think the other thing that we, we're really trying to cultivate is people who are power volunteers. So if you oh, wanted yeah. to work in a campaign and you don't know where to begin, yep. there's a campaigner's track for our program as well. So we want to make sure that from soup to nuts, we are serving all of the needs of uh, elected officials. Are you doing like seminars? Is it virtual classes? Is it in person? How does that work? 
we, we are currently planning for an in-person weekend on awesome. the weekend of September 24th through the 26th. And we're going to be bringing in national experts and local faces who have done this work and who can really help you to have the tools that you need to, if, you, if it's been an inkling in the back of your mind, you know, and you wouldn't even know where to begin. A lot of people tell me I wouldn't even know where to begin to think about running for office. We want to be that place to begin. I love that. We, we actually, there are people serving in the legislature today who showed up in some of what we call boot camps yeah. a couple of years ago with that same type of concept. They, they show up and they kind of like look around and they walk in. And they're like, I don't even know why I'm here, to be honest right. with you. I'm just kind of curious. And then two years later, those people are getting sworn into office. And I think on the business side, I would say, and I bet it's the same for a parent or anyone on the education side, people assume that to run for public service, you either have to be a lawyer or you have to be a lifelong politician or anything like that. And I always try to encourage people from the business community, no, what we need is real-world people with real-world ideas. Absolutely. We need people to know how to, like, manage a checkbook and understand complicated HR issues at their office and how to deal with people and customers and changing demand and shift on the fly. Imagine if we had a government filled with people who knew how dream? to think like that. It would <laughs> be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That is the dream. And I think that – you know, we also want to be um, focused on people who are student-centered. We are nonpartisan, right. but what we do care about is that you prioritize the needs of students and families over everything else. Well, sounds simple, but it's not. Um, but it's definitely critical, and I, I'm so glad you're, you're in the middle of it. And um, so that is Adonica Duggan, the CEO of the Baton Rouge Alliance for Students, and, um, you know, kick butt triathlon athlete as well. So I'll go ahead and say that as well. So if you want to know more about her, how to get into triathlons or anything like that, where do they go again? Tell me the website again. Dralliance.org. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the things. We're everywhere. Awesome. Well, thank you, Donica, for joining us thank today. You. And thank you for the impact you're making in our community. And that has been the latest version of our Good Works podcast, where we try to profile and identify those people making a difference uh, day in, day out in communities all across Louisiana. So tune in next time when we bring you the next leader. Thanks a lot.